The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and thank you all for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you've joined us. We've got a great program, and I know you're going to learn some new things about recovery high schools and how they work and why they work and um, what's happening with that. It's a great wonderful idea and um, really supports teens who are in recovery. So you're going to enjoy the program today as always and again thanks for listening and I want to thank you also for liking Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook. Thank you for posting on the Spirit of Recovery page. Thank you for emailing me for letting me know what's happening for you in your spirituality and your recovery walk and also thank you for letting the people in your recovery community, your unity community, um, your friends, your family, any of your other spiritual communities or everybody you know about us here on uh, unityonlineradio.org and it's just great to have the opportunity to broadcast on this topic of spirituality and recovery to bring you guests that are touching your heart that are making a difference in your life to bring you new ideas about recovery because I got to tell you recovery is a big arena and there's so much good stuff going on uh, in recovery and it's it's exciting so I love bringing guests that that uh, can open our minds and hearts to new ideas and new possibilities and new inspiration. So every week we do have topics that are important to the recovery community and my guests are always down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative. They're either people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people and they bring practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. Of course, you can listen live via your computer, via your smart device. Um, you can also go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can uh, get Spirit of Recovery via iTunes. If you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio. And you can also listen on demand. We've got years' worth of great um, podcasts. Uh, you can just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and uh, access uh, lots and lots of great programs at your own leisure. 
I want you to know, too, that if you like um, what you hear on Spirit of Recovery and the other great programs on Unity Online Radio, I invite you to uh, consider some financial support. You're welcome to listen all the time, um, no matter what. And if you'd like to support uh, this nonprofit venture with your finances, you can do that. You can text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone, and you can make a one-time or an ongoing contribution. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place. So if you're a person who's in any kind of recovery from addiction, uh, if and addiction comes in a lot in wide varieties, we know that. Or if you're the family member or friend of somebody that's got the disease of addiction, um, or if you're just curious, just interested about spirituality and recovery, just want to learn some more, you're welcome here. And we're very glad you're here. You're welcome to um, send in a comment or a question via email or via the phone. And um, uh, to, to my guests would be happy to address that. Also, I always want to make family members uh, aware that there is recovery for family members. Uh, as family members, we can become enablers and end up unwittingly supporting the addiction, which we don't want to do, instead of being able to really know how to support our loved one. So um, for families, there's... 12-step programs, there's therapy, there's all kind of uh, resources, so family members also can get in recovery, and I always want family members to understand that, because it's a big deal. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and also an addictions counselor, and I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And uh, 36 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development. And um, my walk is uh, continues to be an integration of unity principles and recovery principles, and uh, that just keeps transforming my life and keeps me growing. So I am delighted. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to bring you great guests. So today, our topic is recovery high schools, what every recovering teen deserves. Um, you know, recovery from a substance use disorder is challenging for anybody. But it's especially challenging for teens because teens are facing uh, the regular pressures of moving from childhood into adulthood. And uh, when you add on top of that, uh, learning how to stay clean and sober, uh, it creates quite a, quite a stressful situation. There's research that shows um, that when students uh, with substance use problems, um, do they, when they do get treatment, but when they go back to their former high schools after treatment, up to 90% of them quickly um, get back into uh, using uh, drugs or alcohol again. They have that experience that's uh, sometimes called relapse or um, uh, and it's, it's frustrating because uh, it's like, wow, what's that about? So what people understand uh, today, what we know better and are, are people, lots of people are working to do something different about that is that needs to be a different context that's created for these students so that when they can return to a school with a supportive, sober recovery environment, um, their possibilities for fulfilling life really, really expand and really uh, soar. So today we're going to be talking about that and have two great guests. Um, one of my guests is Julie McElrath, and um, 
Julie is the executive director of University High School. It's a school that's dedicated to supporting teens in recovery from drug and alcohol dependency. And uh, prior to coming to University High School as the executive director, Julie facilitated uh, dialectical behavior therapy groups, which is a, an incredible uh, therapy for adults and adolescents. And she also provided individual therapy at a drug and alcohol residential treatment facility. She's a member of the Central Texas Youth Recovery Network, the Austin, Texas Metro Drug Free Coalition, the Travis County Youth Substance Abuse Prevention Coalition, and Recovery-Oriented Community Collaborative. Um, The high school is located in Austin, Texas, where I also live, and um, Julie has a Master's of Science and a Bachelor's in Social Work from the University of Texas at Austin, and um, also a portfolio, a graduate portfolio program in nonprofit studies from uh, the University of Texas. So she's going to be sharing with us from that point of view as the executive director and as a person who is a drug and alcohol uh, counselor herself and obviously has a lot of experience in that area. Also, we're going to get to hear from Boomer M. And Boomer is a student who just graduated in May from University High School. And uh, Boomer was struggling to stay sober when he went back to his uh, neighborhood school after treatment. And so he got started at UHS during the middle of his sophomore year. While there, he was a strong student leader, council, student council member, and on the yearbook committee. And uh, he graduated a year early, and he's going to be attending Austin Community College this fall. And Boomer continues to be active in working his recovery program. So I want to welcome you, Julie and Boomer, to share with us about Recovery High School and, and in particular, about University Recovery High School here in Austin. So thanks for being my guests. Thank you. Yeah. Glad you're here. We are, yes, we are very um, grateful to be with you today, Anna, and on the Spirit of Recovery radio show and sharing a little bit more about um, it means to be a student and to work in a recovery high school setting. Absolutely. So um, I guess, Julie, I'd ask you first just to tell us a little bit about what is a recovery high school? What, how's it different from just a regular high school? What makes a recovery high school unique is the blend of recovery support services and academics. And um, the marriage of those two things creates a very unique environment for learning. And not just academic learning, but, you know, social-emotional learning and healing. And uh, for at University High School, we integrate both formal and informal recovery support programming. Um, so that may look like a check-in every morning we do. There's a midday recovery support activity. And throughout the day, there are one-on-one interactions as students need support. Mm-hmm. We also um, incorporate a, a lot of our work with community partners. So we like to be out in the community and we like to bring the community in. Mm-hmm. Because Great. we know that connection in recovery is very important. That's right. So, um, Boomer, with that, with, with what uh, Julie's just shared with us, what was it like for you? What was a typical day at school like from kind of from the inside of that, uh, uh, how Julie described that? The typical day at UHS? Yeah. Um, let's see. 
I would wake up at 7.15, really groggy, kind of angry, you know, like a normal teenager would. And uh, I'd hop on the bus and, like, you know, then I'd, I'd kind of calm down. And, you know, every teenager is never happy about going to school. But as soon as that door opened at 8 o'clock, it's like spirits lifted. And we would go to check-in from 8 o'clock to 8.45. Is that right, Julie? It is. Yeah, so if, during that, we just kind of, like, uh, if someone has something they need to talk about, like like a struggle they're going through, a conflict with parents, uh, like an urge to use or whatnot, we all sit down and they share, like, and everyone just gets, like, personal and, like, it really shows, like, the love and the, like, that's a really crucial part to starting the day at UHS and it just, like, makes everything a lot better and uh, it really lifts the spirits and if no one really has anything to talk about, we just kind of goof off for a little bit and it's a great start to every morning and then, let's see, we go to uh, computer-like classes, like, your classes on the computer for an hour or so. Then we get to take a break, which is very crucial. <laughs> and then we come back. We have direct teach English with, in my in my opinion, the best teacher I've had. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Then you go back to computers for like 45 minutes, and then you have a two-hour lunch and support break, which is really awesome because it's like, you know, you've been working all day, and then now you get to, like, relax, eat lunch, and then, like, go to an AA meeting or uh, go do community service at a food pantry and all sorts of good stuff. So it really, like, relaxes you throughout the day. And then you just go back to school for another hour and a half, and your day's done at 3 o'clock. Wow. That really sounds wonderful. It, it sounds like such a supportive environment. It really, it really, really does. Yeah, UHS really doesn't feel like school. Because, you know, school has that underlying tone of, eh, and, like, you know, no teenager is excited to go to school, but I would legitimately wake up, like, ready to go to UHS every day. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So, Julie, what how what makes that happen? Why do you think that um, Boomer and I'm guessing other students feel that good about it? That is amazing <laughs> to want to go to school. <laughs> like, what's the secret sauce? Yeah, what's the secret sauce? What's the secret sauce? I will tell you, I think a lot of what the secret sauce is, if you will, is the peer-to-peer relationships. It's the peer-to-peer culture. It's that strength. And, and of course, that is supported by the staff, right? And, you know, we bring in individuals that are um, trained uh, and have their education in, you know, social work or, you know, counseling. And, and then also we have peer recovery coaches. And I think that our peer recovery coaches are critical, to the secret sauce, to <laughs> building those relationships with the students and helping them create healthy peer-to-peer relationships, of course, with each other. And it is that culture that allows us as a staff to to do our job and to support the students. Well, well either one of you, t- tell us more about what a peer recovery coach is and, and what they do. Julie, I've never heard that term before. <laughs> okay. That's a peer recovery coach is um, that's what John and Libby do. Oh, okay. that's – oh, John and mm-hmm. Libby. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got yes. you. So there is a, tr- a certification 
um, and you you know you go get some training, and then there's several hours of of you know um, work that you do to receive your certification. And a poor, peer recovery coach is an individual with lived experience mm-hmm. with um, substance, um, you know, with addiction and mm-hmm. in recovery. Mm-hmm. And so well, it is training specific. It's it's different from a sponsor. Mm-hmm. It's different from a counselor. It is um, those individuals are trained to meet a person where they are, and to really be able to just support them as they are getting sober or struggling with their sobriety or, you know, needing to maybe look at, you know, um, how things are going with their sponsor or, you know, whatever that might be. But that peer recovery coach um, is very important in this setting. Indeed. Yeah. So, Boomer, that I love that, that you didn't know what their official name was, but you knew them <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Was it John yeah, it was like and John. That was, yeah. So I love that because it's like whatever they're doing is working. It doesn't matter what you call them, I guess. But Yeah. So they're, like, uh, they're like my older brothers and sisters. What happened? For real. Uh-huh. What, yeah. what was that? What happened? Like, what was? How did they work with you? Or maybe one of them worked with you? Or what did? What was your experience of of them? Um, Without them, I honestly wouldn't be sober because there was a period of time in my sobriety where I was like lying about it, still using and whatnot, and then uh, you know I I got caught like everyone does, and uh, I was kind of mad at Julie. Didn't really want to listen to her. But uh, but John, the what? What's the word, Julie? Recovery coach. Yes. Yeah, John. John, the recovery coach. Um, he sat me down and like, I had a thing called a what are they called? So con- support. What are they called, Julie? Success plan. So yeah, success plan. That's what it is. And it's like a list of stuff that I had to do to like stay at the school, and uh, I didn't like it at all. But John sat me down and helped me every single step of the way. And really, like, showed me the benefits of, like, sobriety and all that and, like, got me back on my feet. And I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without John. Like, he was a crucial part of my sobriety. Wow. So, and what was so important about his connection with you, Boomer? Why Why is? Why do you say that? What's, what was so important about it? How did he really, as you say, you wouldn't be sober without him today, you think? Um... Because he, he's pretty, he's relatively young. Like we're not that far. We're, we're like nine or ten years apart in age. So like mm-hmm. he's not like so old that it's like oh I don't know you don't know what I'm going through blah blah blah. And he's right. like in recovery, so he knows exactly what I'm feeling, exactly what it's like. And he's also young enough that I can relate to him, and he's fun and like he's like an older brother. I look up to him, I respect him, and he also like knows what I'm going through. So I just kind of like there was a pre-established trust in the relationship that I just went along with what he said and it worked. Right. Yeah, that's great. Would you be willing to share with us some of the things that he uh, told you and that you had to do? <laughs> um, let's see. I had to restart. I had to meet and call my sponsor a lot. Like, like I think it was every day from the first month. I had to re-engage in my alternative peer group, which I didn't want to do. 
Do you all know what an alternative peer group is? Nope, I don't. I um, bet Julie like, does. Like a, what is, what it's, like it? a, it's like a sober group of teenagers that meet after school every day. Not every day, but most days. And, like, you talk. Uh, you So you have, like, process group about recovery. And then on Fridays and Saturdays, we go out and do stuff like go bowling, go swimming, like stuff like that. So it's basically like a program for teenagers to get sober in. Mm-hmm. So right. I had to I had to re-engage in that, which at the time I did not want to do, but now I love it. Um, I had to restart the 12 steps again and just like a lot of it at the time seemed daunting and like a huge load, but it really wasn't that much. It was stuff that I already should have been doing. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I... That's really uh, important, and I guess, you know, and I'll ask Julie how you see this, but it, it sounds like, a Boomer, kind of the the energy that got you doing those things again as was, as you say, that you trusted him and that you felt like he knew what you were going through, that you could really relate to him. Is that pretty right on? Definitely. Yeah, and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, he's a really positive guy, and at the time I was miserable, like I I would come to school angry all the time. I would yell at everybody. But, like, John always had a smile. Even when I would yell at John, he had a smile on his face. And, like, I wanted Mm -hmm. what he had. I wanted to be able to smile all the time. And, like, him, like, having that positive attitude and the good vibe really helped me. Right, for sure. So, um, Julie, I'm wondering, like, tell us some more about the whole idea of peer coaches and where that came Mm -hmm. from and, um, uh you know, where where did that start? I, I know that's something that's been going for a few years now, but it didn't used to be. It's kind of a new thing, I think. I'll tell you, um, and Boomer brought up the term alternative peer group. Uh-huh. And so where I think, you know, where we have seen some real strength for since the 70s is Palmer Drug Abuse Program. Mm-hmm. An alternative peer group that in the 70s brought a lot of young people together who got sober together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that I think is really sort of the birthplace of what it could look like to have a lot of teenagers together, getting sober together, supporting each other, having fun. And so where alter- what alternative peer groups look like today are somewhat similar and we at University High School, our one of our admission requirements is all of our students have to be actively engaged in an alternative peer group because we believe so strongly that the wraparound support for our students and their families, that without the whole, you know, kind of that whole, like, ecosystem wrapping around them, right. chances for them staying sober go down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. so... Yeah, that alternative, you know, peer group, the school, if they're in any other support like, you know, um, intensive outpatient therapy or they've got a counselor or whatever, those things all together are what help keep the student sober, our students sober. And so that is where kind of I think the peer piece really, you know, was born, like I said, back in the 70s. And so it worked really well then. It's working really well now. And we work very, very closely with both of the alternative peer groups here in Austin, which are Teen and Family Services Mm -hmm. and Palmer Drug Abuse Program. 
Right. That's great. And is Palmer Drug Abuse Program the one that started in Houston? And it did. Yes, because I've I've talked with the people from TAFs, from Teen. Well, you just said it, Teen. Anyway, and family TFS. services. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and um, yeah, and yeah, that was it's so uh, powerful to to have heard how that works. And I still don't know a lot about it, but just what you're saying, yeah, it really creates that whole context. And um, did did we And go ahead, go ahead. Well, we call, we, you know, and boomers heard this, you know, term, I don't know, probably ad nauseum boomer, but like, you know, it's loving accountability. It's how do we support each other <laughs> and hold each other accountable in a loving, caring way that builds trust. You know, you know, you can bring things into your group and you say, how does it work and how does it work well? And for us, it's really building a solid foundation and culture at the school that's one of a high level of trust. And knowing that we can just talk through things, right? If things come up in the community, I mean, we engage our student council or our student, you know, leaders or we, you know, we talk through a lot of things. Yeah, there were countless times where we stopped the whole day just to talk about one issue. Like, I can recall at least two or three, honestly, in the past semester even, where we, like, stopped all activities and just sat and talked as a group about our issues. And they always got resolved. Even, like, even, um, like, I remember there was a group about me and my using, and uh, I was pretty angry about it at the time, like, very angry. But um, my two best friends uh, sat me down pretty much in front of the, the whole school and basically, like, called me out. And I was furious on the inside, but, like, I saw that it came from a place of caring, and I was able to put those emotions aside and, like, listen to them and take what they had into consideration. So it's a really powerful process. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's a lot it's, about we're training. We've got some new staff coming on board because we're um, – we're growing, and we're, it's so funny that this that the talk, the show is happening today because we've been in the midst of training, you know, and and looking mm-hmm. at our programs and all. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I, you know, shared today was we are we hope that we are creating um, what looks like a real healthy family system, mm-hmm. and so that allows our students to see what that looks like, model it live it in their own lives, take it out when they leave us, you know, as a social worker, I, you know, we're always, I'm always thinking about what are we doing to prepare our kids for when they leave us and do life because they're really in with us for a short amount of time, right? <laughs> They've got a lot more life to live after they leave us. Right. That's wonderful. Yeah. It does make a, a whole difference, doesn't it? It's like, as you're saying, as you create that healthy community, having that experience, I think, really is what transforms people. It's what does uh, give them the ability uh, to go out and live that way. It's not just some kind of book thing up in your head. It's like you're doing it. You're having that experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We hope that's what's happening. <laughs> that's our intent. Right. For sure. Um, I'm wondering... Too like um, in in Boomer. What was that like for you when you were? You, I think you went back. You said after or 
uh, treatment or you didn't anyway it was in the in your bio that af- right after treatment you went back to your regular school but that didn't work out so well I think is that correct what was what yeah, happened there I was in a uh-huh. I was in outpatient rehab and uh, once I got out I, I think it took 24 to 48 hours for me to get back into the heavy drug use and part of it was that like none of my friends really understood what I was going through. Like, if I opened up to those, uh, the people at, like, my neighborhood school, they would just kind of make fun of me. They'd be like, you're soft, like, grow up, get tough. You know what I mean? There was no, like, love Mm -hmm. there. It was just, like, it was, like, uh, a pool of hungry sharks. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how I described it. And um, so, you know, it's just, like, I didn't find the support I needed. And, uh, like, drugs were really the only thing that would, like, numb everything out. And it just... Mm -hmm. It just kept going and going and going. And then when I finally got to UHS, uh, I think I'd been sober for like two or three weeks on my own, at like white knuckling it at my old school. And like being sober there by yourself for three weeks is horrible because all your friends are still like, uh, put quotations around friends, like you're, you know, all your uh, fair weather friends are still like, doing all the bad stuff and you want to stay away from that but you're so isolated like that's how it felt like really isolated and alone mm-hmm. but like once I got to UHS I, I remember my first day very clearly like I, I think I had one or two friends that I had known through my APG at UHS but there were about 10 random kids and uh, this girl uh, walked in late to check in she sat down right next to me I I told her my name and, like, my school, my age and all that. And then she just was like, I love you. And it was, like, the first time. I was so shocked because I had never met this girl before, but yet, like, I could see that she, like, genuinely cared about me. And that, that, like, that moment has stuck with me for the past two years. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a completely different experience than what you were saying about your uh, sort of back to your old high school where you said it was like white sharks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, full of hungry sharks. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's time for our break. So um, I want to thank my guests, um, Julie McAlgrith, who is the executive director of University High School in Austin, Texas, and also my guest, Boomer M., who is a May. He just graduated in May from University High School, and for their sharing with us about what happens there, it's, it's fabulous. I I love what what I'm learning here and what y'all are talking about. If uh, for the listeners, if you want to look up more about University High School, you can go to www.u the letter u high school regular h i g h s c h o o l dot com. So it's www the letter u high school dot com. Um, so listeners, stay with us. We're going to be right back on Spirit of Recovery. We'll be back um, talking about re- more about recovery high schools. What every recovering teen deserves. Stay with us. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? 
Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. And if you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus. I am your Spirit of Recovery host. And um, I'm a Unity Minister and also an addictions counselor and a person that's got my own circle of love and friendship, lots of people with the disease of addiction. And uh, I practice my own recovery program as a family member and friend. And um, our topic today is Recovery High Schools, Whatever Recovering Teen Deserves. And my guests are Julie McElrath, who is the Executive Director of University High School, which is a recovery high school in Austin, Texas. It was started in August of 2014, so it's about three years old. And um, she's sharing with us a lot from that side, from the administrative side, and that she's also a social worker and a an addictions counselor. She's sharing with us from that end of it how recovery high schools work. And we also have as a guest Boomer M. And Boomer is a very recent graduate. He just graduated in May from University High School. And um, he really supports him. It supported him and his sobriety and, um, and gave him lots of great opportunities. And he's going to be going this fall to Austin Community College, and he continues to be active in working his recovery program. Before I get back to my conversation with um, Julie McElrath and with Boomer M., I invite you to join me for a very brief meditation, the Serenity Minute, just an opportunity to relax, to let go, and make that conscious contact with your higher power. So I do invite you to do that, to um, relax, to feel that relaxation from the crown of your head. Uh, moving gently, relax through your body temple, relaxing your body, allowing your mind and your heart to open. And know that your higher power, that loving presence is right there with you and within you. And I want you to share with me this constructive idea. I am filled with the presence of love. 
I have loving, caring people in my life. I am filled with the presence of love. I have loving, caring people in my life, and I'm supported in my well-being. And now we take just a moment in the quiet. for joining me in the Serenity Minute. So now I invite you to move back into awaking awareness and I do trust that that was an opportunity for you to relax and to make that conscious contact with your higher power. So now I'm back to my conversation with my guest, Julie McElrath, who's the Executive Director of University High School, a recovery high school, and Boomer M., who's a recent graduate there Um graduated in May. And if, again, if you want to learn more about University mm-hmm. High School, go to www.u, the letter U, highschool.com, uhighschool.com. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, how kind of maybe what your requirements are for getting into University High School and also in general, what's not everybody's got a, a recovery high school in their area. That's sad. Um, but uh, talk a little bit, you know, again about maybe how how people can create some you know, high schools in their area. But anyway, first of all, back to, so what are the requirements to get into University High School? For our requirements at University High School, and they can differ in different settings. So we are um, a nonprofit. We're a 501c3, and our academic partner is a public charter school. So for us, we um, ask that our students be willing to work a a 12-step program, be willing to work a program of recovery, right, to be actively engaged in their alternative peer group, and to, you know, be willing to show up and and go to school, participate in the activities. Understanding that... um, um, you know that there can be some ambivalence, uh, but that is not that does not mean that we do not work with our students through the ambivalence. Mm-hmm. Additionally, um, many of our students have been through treatment. However, that's not a requirement, an admission requirement. Not all of our students have been through treatment. Mm-hmm. What does it cost for a student to attend, and how is that cost covered? We have a monthly program fee of $900, and we have um, a semesterly drug test fee of $150. So for a 10-month school year, it would be $9,300. We also have a scholarship program. And so, to date, we have not had to turn any anyone away for fina- a financial barrier. 
Mm-hmm. That is for our program and for our, um, you know, part of the mission of our organization. Uh, it's something that we place a high value on. So we do have a scholarship program as well. Great. How do students get there kind of? I guess it's like, is it made, is information available like through public school counselors or how do people, how do students get there? Yeah, like how do they learn? How do they learn about us? Right? How do they know to know to come to us? Um, In Austin, the adolescent recovery community is growing. I would say that it's probably like a teenager right now. If you were to look at you know growth, Um, and so we have been really doing a lot of outreach in the community and letting um, organizations like public high schools, right, the area independent school districts, Um, psychiatrists, therapists, um, intensive outpatient, you know, the the residential uh, treatment and then outpatient treatment providers, making them aware of who we are. Really being out in the community and actively engaged in, you know, I know on my bio there were several coalitions mentioned, right? uh Yes, yes. So we're actively engaged out in the community and really educating the community about us. Great. So, um, yeah, so a lot of our referrals will come from residential treatment settings all over Texas. Um, treatment centers that are here in Austin and therapists, our alternative peer groups, the, you know, they're a, a great referral source for us because the families are already engaged there and then they may be looking for some additional support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. How many students do you have uh, at present? I know you've just been going for three years, but how many students do you all have? We are currently at 20 for the upcoming school year as we sit today. Our capacity for this year is um, 25, and I suspect we'll, you know, we'll be hitting close to that. We ended the school year last year with 18. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we started the school year, you know, we started in 2014. Our first class had 12. Mm-hmm. That's great. So you're expanding and slowly but surely. And I'm, I know you. It takes a lot to build a program like that. It takes a lot of um, thoughtfulness and takes time. But it does. And you know, um, that's one of the things about a recovery high school setting is being very mindful about the culture that's created. And it really is about creating a very solid base and building the program so that that peer culture is very strong before bringing in a lot of kids together that are fragile. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Absolutely. What What do you feel like you've learned along the way? And I'm, I'm asking you, Julie, but Boomer, you might also certainly have some input on this. Like, what are some things, some wisdom, I guess, bits that have come through the, this three-year process of how to do uh... this? Just about life and what UHS has taught me? Yeah, about, well, no, about UHS, about what works there, what works to help. Oh, help what, what works stay sober at other UHS? Stay sober. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Being humble. Mm-hmm. Because I used to think that the world owed me something and that I should get everything I wanted on a silver platter. And, like, I was really unhappy because when things wouldn't go my way, I would freak out. But, like, here, like, UHS really, like, grounded me 
like screwed my head on right, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. That's big. And I think organizationally, oops, sorry, Boomer. You're good. <laughs> Was there more you wanted to say? No. Okay. I think organizationally, as I think about some of the, our takeaways, right, mm-hmm. is when we first started out, um, I will say quite honestly, the board, as we were, you know, getting started, and, and, and we did too, thought, oh, my gosh, people, they'll be bursting our doors down, right, because we know the needs there. Right. We know Huge the need. needs there. Mm-hmm. Right. However, because of stigma, right, mm-hmm. because families get very isolated when their kiddos are struggling mm-hmm. and turn inward, because UHS is, because it's a different high school environment, right, and families are dealing with some grief maybe, Mm-hmm. Grief around, you know, the, will my kiddo not be able to be in the band, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. the different things that may come in a traditional high school setting. They didn't, people weren't knocking our doors down. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was the thing that we, um, it's one of those one of those things that comes up that you're really very grateful for, but you don't know that you're grateful for it at the time. <laughs> you're wondering what's happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because had that happened, we would not have been able to build a really solid foundation for, mm-hmm. our, for our program and for mm-hmm. our students, and we would not have been able to serve the students that did come to us, I don't think in the best way. Because, right. it, like I said, it's a lot to hold, you know, a lot of really fragile kids all in one room trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. So I think that was something that I think is, you know, as as I kind of work with the Association of Recovery Schools and sometimes other new schools as they're coming on board and the Association of Recovery Schools is our national organization and mm-hmm. University High School is a member of that, and we're very community-focused as well. So it's, you know, there's 36 recovery high schools across the nation, and we're all about helping each other and helping new, sc- new people that are interested in opening a recovery high school in their community. And I think that's the thing I think about when I, you know, talk to people is don't be concerned because, you know, the thought is, oh, my gosh, wh- what do we do? Do we have enough space? They're going to be knocking our doors down. And then there's a little bit of a, oh, oh goodness, what's happening here? And it's just um, – providing some, I guess, room, room to breathe, if you will, mm-hmm, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm, and settle mm-hmm. into really serving the kids and building a strong culture and um, and the program. Right, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, um, again, I know what, as your, certainly your background and, and, uh, and as a therapist and, and working with families and systems and so forth, as you're saying, it's like, that's the important thing is that quality is what's the quality of the yeah. relationships. That's yeah. the whole thing. And when you get that yeah. established, that's when people can really flourish. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Julie, what about if people, again, there, you say there are 36 high school, recovery high schools across this gigantic country of ours and right? I don't even know, <laughs> uh, you know, around the world. And you talked about that association. How can people that are listening, if they want to find a recovery high school in their area, if there is one, or as you're saying, try to get something going, what do, you, what do they do? How do they get started? They go to the Association of Recovery Schools website. Okay. 
There's information there. There's a capacitype map that will give detailed information about recovery high schools in what area of the country um, and resources, you know, for that, as well as the Association of Recovery Schools has just a really incredible framework for how to set up a recovery high school and everything that needs to be done to do that. When I came on board, um, I set up our program around that framework. Mm-hmm. And um, it has been just a beautiful model for for how to put programming in place and to make sure that, you know, you've got the services you need to help support, but you're also compliant, right? And you're right, also, you, you know, have yes, certain aspects about your academic provider, uh, whether it's a private school or an independent school district or a public charter or whatever the academic piece is, you know, how to do that. I mean, it is a mm-hmm. beautiful mo- framework right. for setting so, up a recovery it- high school. Great. So people could, I'm putting you on the spot here. How can you say no to this? <laughs> anyway, obviously your website's, everybody knows what your website is now, and it's on the Spirit of Recovery <laughs> so, so they could access your website as well, as well as the Association of Recovery High Schools. And um, I bet you would talk to them. Anyway, I'm putting you on the spot. I absolutely here. would. We just came back from the National Conference in Washington, D.C., uh-huh. um, and it was the National Recovery High School. School, recovery School Conference and then Collegiate Recovery Program Conference. We do that together. And all the time, all the time, we're sharing and saying, if you need help, we're here. You know, give us a call um, because we are just, uh, I'm, I have said I'm of service as well. So, mm-hmm. How many years did it take this school in Austin to get going? And was it just some interested people or some parents, or were you in on the very beginning? What did it take to launch this? Yeah. It's a great question. And um, we have one of our founders, Lori Holleran-Steiker, a distinguished professor at the School of Social Work. Her entire career has been in the field of addiction and recovery, working with adolescents and, uh, and adults. She's a uh, professor at the School of Social Work and Undergraduate Studies at UT. Very connected in the recovery community here in Austin. She was aware of the strong adolescent recovery-oriented system of care in Houston. Houston has a robust adolescent recovery system. Mm-hmm. They have um, two recovery high schools, one Archway Academy is the biggest in the nation, and I think they average between 75 and 125 students. There's five alternative peer groups. They serve several hundred kiddos, young people in recovery. And so she went down and began to talk to people, began to talk to the experts in that community, did some community mapping there, began to do some community mapping up here, engaged stakeholders here to see if there was support in the community. There was. And then um, we just began to move forward. And, um, you know, once we knew there was support in the community, then, you know, the 501c3 was filed and, uh, you know, there began to be a more formal process for opening the school. Great. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that I believe, uh, well, I know because I had him on my program probably about a year ago, that um, Greg 
and I can't remember his last name now. But Williams? he's done it. Huh? Greg Williams? Yeah. That, he did, Generation Found. That's right, Generation Found. Yes, yes, I had them on about a year ago. And that's about the Houston uh, uh, young person's recovery environment, right, it, the whole thing. It is yep. absolutely about it, yes. And mm-hmm. I would, I'm going to do a plug for Generation Found. I hope that's Good, okay. Good, go ahead, absolutely. Because yeah. um, it is an excellent example of, of what can happen. In, in, a, in a system like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And Generation Found is a is a movie, so I'll post that on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page too. You know, you can okay. watch that. So, Boomer, we're gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. As we know, hopefully, you know, again, people can find or or get started a recovery high school, but we know not everybody's got access to one today. It's not how it is. We see that hopefully being different in the future, but. Let's say somebody is just in a situation where they cannot access a recovery high school. They're sober, they're wanting to stay sober, but they're back where they were. What can they do to to support their own sobriety, even though they're back in their old playgrounds, in their old school? Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous uh, is a great place because that's where you find the real people that care about you. Uh, good people and hobbies, honestly. Like, this summer has been a transition period for me because, um, like, a while I'm still 17, so I graduate because I graduated a year early. And I'm trying to walk the line of, like, adult life and, like, recovery in that sense and mm-hmm. still hang out with all my friends who are in the APG. And, like, there are some times where all my friends in the APG are busy. And I have to figure out, like, oh, what am I going to do? But, like, I always go to a meeting, and I always see people I know, and, like, that really lifts up my spirits and whatnot. And I don't feel alone. Like, even when, like, all of the people I usually surround myself with are gone, I, I'm never alone because I can go to a meeting. I can see someone that I haven't talked to in nine months, and we pick up like it was, like a day hasn't even passed. It's like right. AA is, like, right. the perfect place to go. That's good. Now, I know that sometimes uh, young people in recovery are like, man, I don't want to go to AA because it's all those old people. Um, how do you navigate that? I love the old people. The old people are the Thank best. <laughs> 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 I, uh, I'm, not an AA. I'm not an AA member. Anyway, go ahead. Like, um, did it, today so you is love Tuesday, them. right? Why? What do you love about the old folks? Um, like yesterday, uh, I went to an AA meeting. And uh, it's a pretty, like, mid-age to older crowd there. But, like, I walked a mile and a half in the hot sun just to hear these guys because they have such good stuff to say. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. Old people, when they talk in meetings, it's kind of, like, boring in a sense. Like, they're not as upbeat and loud and wild as the younger people. But, like, the old guys really know what they're talking about. They really know what they're saying. And they have the best jokes, honestly. <laughs> like I, I would much, I would much rather go to an old person AA meeting than like a young person at this point. Really? Because like, That's... yeah, I feel like um, I haven't been. I've been sober. I have eight months sober tomorrow, but I've been in the pro. I, thank you. I've been in the program for two years, and a lot of the young people have about like the same time like in the program like it usually ranges from like two to six years you know what i mean and like 
a lot of the people there, uh, we all just have, like, pretty much the same, like, I guess AA wisdom level or point system, whatever you want to call it, you know. And I just, like, I find myself hearing the same thing. But when I go to an old person's meeting, like, I saw a guy pick up his 45-year chip. Wow. Like, he is, that's three times my age. And that guy was saying the the best stuff. Like, he was talking about when he got sober and, like, tried to get sober or whatever in, like, the 70s and 80s. And just, like, I can really connect to that because even though that was way before my time and, like, so much has changed, the feelings and whatnot were the same. And, like, I really Uh like being able to hear, like, wow, even back in, like, the Stone Age of 1970. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Boomer. (laughs) Uh Yeah. Because you sound like you find the common humanity, it sounds like, Boomer. It sounds like you're good at that. Is that kind of what you do? What was that? Find the common – you find the humanity. You said it's the same. The feelings are the same. Hmm? Yeah, even, like, especially, like – um, especially with the people in AA, we're all the same age. Like, huh. there are people who are 17, there are people who are 20, there are people who are 50, and there are people who are 75 with, with three grandkids, you know, but we're all the same age mentally. Like, people in AA are the type of people that never grow up, and it's great because, like, I can talk, like, I can talk, I had a conversation, like, after a meeting with, uh, like, a 25-year-old or something like that, and this super old guy comes up talking to us about the same stuff he did that weekend, the (laughs) same wild stuff that we did, like, run around the town, like, you know, it's great. We're all, like, the same age in the head. (laughs) 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 Like, honestly, like, honestly, it really feels that way. It really feels that way. Yeah, it is. It's true, you know, and, and, uh, my experience, too, of, of the recovery community is that people are indeed young at heart because people are doing their best to, you know, be honest and make connections and live what's real instead of getting getting all calcified. That's my experience <laughs> of <the> recovery. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like, we, like people in AA spend so much time being, like, hung up on stuff and, like, angry and, like, now is really the time to live when you're sober because, like, I don't know, you just, life is so much better. You experience things better, clear-headed. You can feel mm-hmm. the emotions and all that. Like, I think that's why it's so, like, everyone's so young and fresh. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, our time is up. Do y'all have anything brief that you'd like to say to give us any parting wisdom here before we wrap it up? <laughs> I just want to say thank you for having us. This has been um, this is fun. Yeah, yeah, a good. real treat. Yeah, so wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. It's been wonderful to have you. And um, listeners, I know you've learned a lot. And again, uh, get out there and get a recovery high school started if you don't have one in your area. Or if you do have one, find it and uh, find a way to support it. Or if you've got uh, young people, teenagers that could benefit from a recovery high school, find one and get them in there. So, Or get your community revved up for this. So um, I want to thank again my guest, Julie McElrath, who is the Executive Director of University High School here in Austin, and also Boomer M., who's a just uh, recent graduate, and and uh, wish him and University High School and and all the students there the the very best. So um, thank you all for listening today, and have a blessed week. And know that your higher power is with you and guiding you every step of the way. So God bless. We'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. 
Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Haven't we all stood on the bank of a quiet pond and tossed a stone into the water? Haven't we seen the ripples move outward from the place where the stone entered the water until the whole surface of the pond danced with the movement of energy? Before long, we could no longer clearly see the point where the stone entered the water. My inner environment of thoughts and feelings behaves much like a pond. When I introduce a thought of peace into my mind and heart, that single thought creates a ripple effect that really does change the world. From its beginning point within me, peace ripples out to fill my inner world and continues to move out into the world around me. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind, Body, Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.